Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Here we are heading for the starting gate for another new year. Do you plan to spend a portion of the next few days thinking about your personal resolutions for next year? Most of which, if you're like me, will either be uh, abandoned or forgotten about by February 1st. How much more uh, worthwhile would be a fundamental and worthwhile uh, mission uh, to, uh, or how about a more fundamental and worthwhile mission, I meant to say, uh, over the next few days and weeks, however long it takes, you may wish to reflect upon this potential life-changing question. Am I dedicating my time and energy to a career and lifestyle that are right for me? And if you're a religious person, the question becomes, haven't, uh, have I discovered God's unique plan for my life, and am I pursuing it? Of course, a major part of life's journey is vocation, how we earn our living. And given my unique talents, personality, and aspirations, am I making a meaningful contribution to others while being paid to have a good time? That's a good question to ask yourself, isn't it? Upon reflection, unfortunately, for a majority of us, the answer is a resounding no, are you aware that a survey demonstrates that 53% of Americans are unhappy at work? How incredibly sad. That means that over half of us are unhappy for 60% or more of our waking hours. In fact, it's worse than that because I know, as uh, I'm certain you do, and uh, that uh, an unhappy workday spills over and puts a damper on the rest of our lives as well. And wouldn't it be great if uh, each of us had a magic happy button we could press the moment we walked out of the office or factory door, but for most of us it doesn't work that way. A bad day at work comes home <clears throat> with us and hampers our interaction with a spouse and kids. We get so exhausted and stressed out on the job that we aren't up to meaningful uh, spousal and family activities, and chronic stress from our job, poor finances and whatever, often leads to poor health outcomes from heart attacks, diabetes to cancer and substance abuse, not to mention weight gain, high blood pressure, and a weakened immune system. And does this describe you at middle age? Uh, do you feel stuck in a career or lifestyle that you're not even sure how you got into? And uh, with immediate challenges and distractions every day, perhaps accompanied by fear of change, you simply get wrapped up in doing the next thing. And today's first guest Author and personal coach Cindy Hockert is here to tell us it doesn't have to remain this way. And as she will discuss, there is a stark difference between working from desperation and working from inspiration. And Cindy's mission is to inspire us to find our true God-given purpose so that we can have fun earning a living while we're serving others. And once you do, guess what? You'll sleep like a baby at night with a positive 24-7 outlook on life, spouse, family, and close friends, other you meet, others you meet 
will enjoy being around you. And Cindy Hockart, for 30 years, was a highly successful first as a registered nurse and later as a healthcare executive in some of America's leading healthcare systems like United Healthcare and Blue Cross Blue Shield. And although successful, Cindy often was stressed out and unhappy and unfulfilled in her career. A few years back, she had the courage to up and quit and began a quest to redefine her life and to find life's true purpose. And with God's help, she found that purpose and is now a public speaker, workshop leader, and coach, both to individuals one-on-one and to teams in corporate America. And her stated mission is to help folks like you and me to learn God's true plan for our lives and then to live on fire. And she's author of the acclaimed 2016 book, Find Your Burning Bush, Discover God's Unique Path for Your Life. And uh, Cindy used to reside here in Metro Des Moines, Iowa, where I live, and she received her MBA from Drake University here in Des Moines. And hello, Cindy Hockert, and welcome, and Happy New Year. Well, good morning and Happy New Year to you, and what a setup. You basically did my whole profile for me. Good job. (laughs) Well, to some, this may seem like a foolish question because they know they're miserable at work, but others may not be so certain. What are some signs that your present job is making you sick, perhaps even killing you? (laughs) Well, some of the signs, um, many of the signs are insidious, but... um, and by insidious, I mean they sort of um, creep up on you and yeah. they're not dramatic signs. And yeah. those signs can be things like being exhausted all the time, just yeah. not having energy and passion for your work. Um, signs like, uh, you know, you seem to be adding on the pounds and you can't seem to figure out why. It's not that you're overindulging intentionally. Yeah. Things are just adding up. Uh, Get into those cracks every night when you're (laughs) you're (laughs) frustrated. (laughs) Exactly. Um, If you find yourself, you know, turning to alcohol or other kinds of substances just to get relief from your emotional pain, you probably have some issues that you need to address. Yeah. What What is uh, working in desperation versus working in inspiration? What's the difference? Well, the difference is working from desperation is that situation where you're getting up and you're going to work each day just putting one foot in front of the other because you have to. You know, you have got a mortgage, you've got kids in college or kids in school, and you have needs financially that that need to be met, and that is the only reason you have your job. So imagine if you would... Been there and done that. (laughs) Yeah, well, and you've probably seen it in others. So I always tell the story about going to... It actually, in my experience, happened to be an Aldi's food store in Iowa, but it doesn't have to be. You know, I'm not doing a, a criticism of Aldi's here. This just individual that I yeah. encountered on this particular day was um, crabby and complaining mm. and surly. Yeah. And, you know, it's like I was doing her a favor to buy food from from her store. And um, I've had a few clerks <laughs> like that over the years. Yes. So... You know, clearly she was having some issues that uh, she was working out of desperation. She was just there trying to survive and then, you know, get through the day. Now, contrast that to maybe the same kind of role, a checker in another store 
who greet you with a smile and they're uplifting and they joke with you and they ask you how your day is going, et cetera, et cetera, you can see that that individual is being fired by something more than desperation. So yeah. perhaps they have a goal for themselves to um, to make your experience in that particular establishment uh, a wonderful, uplifting uh, experience. Maybe they just want to make someone smile. Yeah, so they're, they're that's being the fired uh, not by the boss or yeah, by desperation, right. <laughs> but they're firing other people up. And it's so wonderful when you run into people like that in a store or at a restaurant, the uh, waitress or the waiter, you know, the right. server, whoever you may see, wherever it be. It, it makes such a difference and can really impact everyone around. But uh, Well, what's important about that is that, yes, they are having um, – a better they're providing a better experience for their customers and their coworkers etc but what's really important about that comparison is that they imagine how they are feeling what their yeah. day is like because that person who's grousing and and having a t- difficult time is obviously unhappy and is hurting versus the person who is having a good time i mean that's a great experience to go through that kind of day well, let's say it's one thing to talk about a radical career transition to doing something you love, but quite another to quit your present job because you still have the mortgage, the kids' college, monthly bills to pay. I might not right. love my job, but it pays the bills. How can I be happier, at least for now, without changing jobs? What are some things I can do to uh, well, the first, start being um, happy right first, away? Sure. The first step is um, is to develop your your desired vision for where you want to go. Yeah. Um, today, adults get into a situation where you make uh, sort of linear, incremental decisions one at a time, and then yeah. you end up somewhere that you really didn't have any intention of being. Yeah, you're so not get first, where you want to be without a roadmap, just like exactly. you, unless you have GPS exactly. or a old-fashioned map, you're not going to get where you want to go. Right. <laughs> right. You need to have your own internal internet. That's not internet, but internet of figuring out where you, where you want to be. And yeah. that starts by, um, I talk about developing a blueprint for happiness. And my blueprint for happiness is not going to look like yours, but yeah. you have to have some idea of where you want to be and, you know, give yourself some goals that would get you there. And then maybe, you know, for the next five years, three years, I'm making up an arbitrary time frame, you do have to keep where you are, but you can begin laying the steps for getting to that more purposeful life. And then at the same time, you don't have to have a miserable existence in your current role. There are things that you can do to transform your current situation to one that you can be more engaged and fulfilled by. Yeah. So, for example, you would you like some? three things you can start doing right away to make yourself happier. What are those three things? Right. So those three things begin with, um, again, deciding where you want to go. Yeah. And then number two, which was a profound learning for me when I was going through that difficult time that you described earlier, yeah. was that you can actually control your own thoughts. And it is your Amen. accountability to control your own thoughts. So the second thing is um, control your thoughts. Don't let your thoughts control you. And part of how you can do that is through affirmations. 
Yeah. Um, years ago, you know, we've been hearing about affirmations for 30 years. They're, these are not new concepts. No. But I always thought affirmations were like new age woo-woo that, you know, just didn't have any. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like voodoo, right? It just doesn't work. But it turns out it's enormously powerful. And um, by envision, well, envisioning is the third step then. Um, yeah. So motivation or um Meditation and envisioning the future that you want is the third step. But back to affirmations, if you begin declaring that you you are what you want to be, you have what you want to have, then you begin shifting the way your mind works. And this is actually proven out by research. There's a study in uh, uh, University of California that studied the impact of happiness and the impact of gratitude. Gratitude is one of those um, attitude and confirmation or affirmation things. So yeah. people who demonstrate and take action to demonstrate gratitude are measurably happier and more resilient to those chronic stresses we were yeah. talking about. And here's an affirmation for you. How about affirming that uh, there is a loving God who cares about you and everyone else and uh, God has a purpose for your life, and uh, there's nothing wrong with tying religion into affirmation, is there? Because it seems like that's kind of central to it. (laughs) Yeah, well, and for a long time, because um, finding God's plan for my life was really my focus, I thought prayer and meditation were the same thing. And Mm -hmm. as it turns out, they're not the same thing, and you need both. So Mm -hmm. prayer is obviously a way to communicate Um, your wants, needs, desires to God. But meditation is one of the ways that God can communicate back to you. You know, in the Bible, it talks about the still, small voice. Well, that still, small voice doesn't show up when you're busy um, with your litany of requests. It shows up when you're quiet. Many people are so busy talking, they don't take time to listen (laughs) for God's response. God can't get a word in edgewise. Yeah. Well, this happens to a lot of us. The job isn't so bad, and you're comfortable and in tune with your company's mission. Then about a year ago, you got a new boss, and that new boss is a jerk, overly demanding, highly critical, micromanages, uh, you know, just tough to live with. Any suggestions on how to be happy at work and gain peace of mind when you have to put up with a bad boss every day? Yeah, I actually talk about this quite a lot. I've um, I've been known to say that America was um, is victim to a great deal of under underperforming managers because managers are oftentimes promoted based on the Peter Principle. So they've had success and uh, competence in a particular technical area, yeah, so they get promoted amen. in the organization, right? So that so doesn't true. mean they have any kind of people skills no, or so management skills. Yeah. yeah. So um, so there are a few things that, that you can do to address a bad boss situation. Uh, the first is fundamentally get to understand the boss. Now, I've had a lot of jobs in my career. Do I have to? <laughs> well, only if no, you're in that job. <laughs> yeah. But no, you don't have to. Um, for example, I have, I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, I had a boss one time at a Blue, Blue Cross plan that, was 
so, I mean, this isn't a bad thing about him. He, it's just a true thing about him, which is yeah. he was very politically motivated. He oh. had lots of upward mo- mobility um, aspirations. And so anything that makes him look good made him happy. So as long as I understood that um, and used that in making yeah. decisions for, you know, deliverables that would go to him, then I I would be able to know what was going to make him happy and I would be able to better um, anticipate what success would look like for him. Yeah, that's that's a good point. But, uh, and you're not trying to, uh, you may not like your boss that much, but you're not trying to undercut, obviously. That's the last thing you want to do is undercut your boss. But, uh, as long as his personal aspirations are in line with the company's mission and <laughs> what you're there for, I guess there's... No harm in uh, <laughs> helping right. him along. Or well, along. And, and and at the end of the day, it helps you because yeah. you're going to get you know a happier work experience, better reviews, et cetera, et cetera, and just less strife at work if yeah. you can be in sync with your boss. Now, I have had bosses that are just very difficult to one in particular that I can think of, which I won't name, <laughs> but this individual was. Um, this individual was so um, focused on being the expert that there wasn't in any room in her team for them to be experts. So she needed all the credit. She needed all the the praise. And well, uh, she became totally very difficult to work inappropriate person with. to have been given a managerial position, somebody that doesn't have exactly. any respect or want to listen to the people working for them and knows it all. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I believe that I, um, and I've been told by my teams that I'm I'm a great manager, but one of the things that makes a great manager is the ability to bring out the best in the people that are on your teams. And in order to do that, you kind of have to apply the same principle I just talked about in terms of getting to know your boss. You have to get to know your people and what makes them tick. That's for sure. Without getting uh, too personal into their personal lives, you need to know what to, you need to know enough about them. Right. To, yeah, you don't want to be a stalker, but no. <laughs> but you, <laughs> you do want to know what's important to them, and uh, and what lights them up. Um, another thing that you can do, or uh, I should say, a thing to be careful about when you're having a situation where you have a difficult boss, yeah. is to make sure that you do not complain. Um, to HR or to that boss's no. superior. Yeah, we all yeah, think yeah. because we live in an America in America that we should be able to, you know, use that free speech and complain because if you're not being treated right or fair or, you know, lovingly, yeah. which is never said in corporate America, but if you're not being treated well, you ought to be able to fight back against that. But the reality is that's only going to damage you in the end. No, so but, you but, really have to work on your own attitude and your own deliverables in order to get to a place where you can be successful in that environment. Because yeah, remember, HR you take works on your for the boss. Company. The uh, odds are always in your boss's favor. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, like your prior life in corporate America, there seem to be a lot of folks that are uh, very successful in their careers and earn big bucks, but they're so unhappy. What do you think that's about? Well, to a great extent, um, it's about not being in alignment with what your 
purpose is. Um, I think because of my religious background uh, or my religious beliefs, I think it's God's purpose. But people have purpose whether or not, and need purpose, whether or not they believe in God. So if you're not working toward doing something that has impact on the planet, impact and serving others, you're just not going to be as happy in the end. true. Yeah, uh, well, let's say you've had it, and for certain you do want to change jobs or start your own business in the new year. What should you look for in your uh, next job or entrepreneurial venture so that you don't end up in the same miserable place you are now? (laughs) Go from one bad job to another, in other words. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, first, do make sure that you can um, align with the mission. If it is an organization that you are joining, like an employee relationship, make sure that the organization is about something you care about. Um, it's really seductive to take a job just because you need the income. But yeah. every time in my life that I've taken a job just for the money, it's been a bad move yeah. because that's just the wrong rationale. If you're going to start your own business or do something that is not an employee relationship, maybe you're in a situation where you're just looking for some volunteer opportunities or whatever, then again, find something that lights you up something that yeah. you're passionate about and you care deeply about. Now, one thing I would I would comment on is that if if you're in a situation where you may not even know, but you may be in a situation where you are burnt out. And when you reach one of the symptoms of burnout is that, you know, the the whole phrase of find something that lights you up just doesn't resonate with you because everything is dead. You know, you're just not able to connect with anything that you're passionate about because you're just fried. And in those circumstances, you really need to spend some time nurturing yourself and um, trying to heal and understand what kinds of things you really want to get engaged in. And don't force yourself to do something just because um, you feel like you need to do something. You need to really give yourself time. Giving yourself a mental vacation, which isn't always easy when you're still at work, but if you can just divorce yourself for a period of time and say for the next X number of weeks, I'm not going to let anything get to me and I'm going to take this time in my mind to uh, really concentrate on the long term and on, on my purpose in life and to seek uh, help from God and that uh, that really can get you uh, Part of the way home, at least. But uh, let's talk about your current book, Find Your Burning Bush, Discover God's Unique Plan for Your Life. What inspired you to write the book, and how did you come up with that unique title? I assume it has something to do with Moses. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a metaphor, as you might guess. And, yes, um, you, you basically told um, part of the story before. You know, I was a, I was a successful corporate executive in large healthcare companies, I was traveling a lot, but I didn't realize that I was getting to a point where I was completely um, just burned out, as I was just describing. So when I hit that point and was actively suicidal, it was clear that, you know, I was on the wrong path and something needed to change. So I um, committed myself to figuring out how does one find out what their purpose is, what God's plan for your life is. And in that research, I discovered that there are a lot of people that share those same questions and that are in similar emotional pain. So I wrote the book um, 
to to address that. And why the burning bush is because, you know, as I was reading in the Old Testament about Moses, yeah. and, you know, he, he came upon this burning bush on the mountain, and yeah. the direction was clear, and he knew exactly what God wanted from him. And I'm thinking, well, that's what I need. I need my own burning bush. I need yeah. <laughs> I need to understand what that direction needs to be. Yeah. So that's why that's why the metaphor. Well, it's not just about career. You have a chapter in your book describing seven elements of living that can transform a stress-filled, overburdened life into a life filled with passion, enthusiasm, and joy. Can you give us a few of those seven? It's just uh, I love that chapter. Yes, absolutely. And there is a lot of meat in that chapter. Um, so one, um, some of these are not easy, by the way. Um, yeah. There is a saying that everything in life is simple, but that doesn't mean they're easy. <laughs> so one is um, to practice gratitude. And again, research has demonstrated that this will have a meaningful impact, a measurable impact on your happiness if you can practice gratitude. Yeah. So um, as a way of supporting that, if you go to www.findyourburningbush.com, you can download a free Burning Bush Challenge, which is 30 days of gratitude activities. That mm. And I put in a few bonuses in case a couple of them don't, don't resonate with you. Um, that you can practice because it takes at least 30 days to form a new habit. So you can start doing those gratitude exercises and start shifting how your mind works. Yeah. I also the second, like to... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Another, um, another example of those seven steps is to, um, to begin showing grace and forgiveness. Yeah. And sometimes that means grace and forgiveness for yourself. Yeah. So we expect an awful lot from ourselves, and when we don't live up to our own expectations, we can be very critical. And I, for example, have been exceptional at ruminating about all the things that I've not done perfectly, yeah. and that's self-defeating. Yeah, so. I've been in that club too, but... Uh... <laughs> well, I like the uh, the seventh one, live healthy and active lifestyle. It's very tough to renew your life and really feel positive in a 75-pound, uh, soft, overweight body or one that sits around all the time and doesn't and right. eats uh, poorly. And <laughs> I mean, that's Well, and the irony is that when you're depressed, the things that yeah. you need to do are not things you want to do. So. Yeah. You need to get exercise. You need yeah. to get out in the sunshine. You need to make healthy choices. You need yeah. to limit alcohol. Um, but none of those things are what you want to do when you're stressed out and depressed. So yeah, it's, like I said, it's simple but not easy. Well, what's the best place to uh, preview and purchase your book? Should I go to Amazon or is there other? Yeah, other well, there's, um, there's, it's in several places. One, you can go to Amazon, www.amazon.com. Amazon.com and just yeah. search for either Cindy Hockart or Find Your Burning Bush. You yeah. can also go to either one of my websites, www.cindyhockart.com. That's H-O-C-H-A-R-T.com yeah. or www.findyourburningbush.com. Yeah. And then it's also available um, on Kindle. And if you're a Kindle user, you can actually get it free. And it's oh. also available on Audible if you prefer the listening variety. Oh, I see. I like that uh, 
free offer. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm not that cheap, but <laughs> most people do like the free offer. Well, in conclusion, regular listeners uh, know that the recurring theme of our program is renewal and transformation of life at middle age from disappointment over missed opportunity, regret over loss of youth, and lack of a clear, positive plan for the future. It's just uh, like one step at a time into nowhere and a turn to a positive, joyful, purposeful outlook, confident in daily living, finding genuine happiness and service to others, and if you're not a religious person, you're welcome to try it on your own, but lots of luck, because I couldn't believe trying to find life's purpose and renew on my own without turning to the guidance from a loving God, a higher power, that uh, you know the universe has so much to offer, but it's outside our own little <laughs> inner uh, resources. And I highly recommend Cindy Hockert's book, Find Your Burning Bush. It's a great way to start 2017. Also, you may wish to contact her uh, regarding her one-on-one coaching or public speaking. And which website should you go to to, uh, to get in touch with that? www.cindyhockart.com. Okay, that's it. And the other uh, website's more specifically about the book, I guess. But the... Correct. Well, as you can tell, Cindy's a very inspirational person, and uh, I love the way that... Uh, she gave up a six-figure income because uh, it really wasn't what God's purpose was for her life and, and found that purpose and is now helping us to do the same. And uh, thanks so much, Cindy, and have a very happy new year. Thank you, sir. I trust you and your families all had a joyful and peace-filled Christmas or Hanukkah celebration. And as we transition from Christmas to New Year's, does your home still feel like a pressure cooker? In fact, for us parents of preteens and teenagers, the week between Christmas and New Year's can be one of the most challenging times of the year. The big day is over and all the pre-holiday anticipation and build-up is just a memory, and a lot of us would probably like to send our kids right back to school on December 26th, but sorry, they'll be hanging around for another week at least until January 3rd, and whatever gifts they received, your preteens or teens probably wanted more. So they may feel let down, perhaps even bitter and defiant. Also, as the week wears on, they probably are becoming more and more bored. And before school resumes, they will routinely search for parties, stimulation, and adventure, stuff they can't get at home. And you'd like them to clean up their rooms and help out around the house, but that's the last thing your teens have in mind for their winter vacation. And with time on their hands, you worry constantly about keeping track of where they are, who they're with, and what they're up to. And your teens always seem to have their noses buried in the smartphone or laptop, and it's a challenge for mom and dad just to get their attention. And the end result for too many of us parents and our teens is shouting matches, an ongoing clash of willpowers, and new cracks in our relationship that will last well into next year. But how about some good news? Just in the nick of time, team parenting expert Colleen O'Grady returns with suggestions to dial down the family stress level this year. And you may recall she was on our program precisely one week ago. And uh, Colleen's primary expertise is mother-daughter conflicts. But us uh, men, our fathers, can also listen. And you mothers of teenage uh, sons will benefit as well. And to refresh your memory, Colleen O'Grady is a licensed professional counselor and marriage and family therapist. 
Her private practice in Houston, Texas, has been active for over 20 years. She's also an approved supervisor and trains uh, master-level therapists, psychology, and psychiatry residents throughout Houston. She's creator of Power Your Parenting, a seven-week program designed to transform negative patterns into healthy, fun, loving connection with your teenage daughter. And she's author of the acclaimed book, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, and Reconnecting Your Teenage Daughter, a guide guide for mothers everywhere. And by the way, Colleen herself just graduated from raising a teenage daughter because her daughter is now 20, and I guess you're getting (laughs) along fine with her now, I'm sure. Hello, uh, Colleen, and welcome back. (laughs) Happy New Year. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, a teenage drama also escalates over the holidays, and uh, you moms have invested a ton of energy to make the holidays special for the whole family, including yourself, and your daughter stands there defiantly tuning you out. Why is that, that there's so much defiance around, around Christmas? So much yes, yes. Well, um, I, I think you know, your introduction was great, and I think that the like you said, I think the expectations are super high, yeah. and um, everyone is bound to be let down a little bit. Yeah, I and the, the perfect <laughs> Christmas is always, whatever that is, always dances through your mind, and then Christmas Day comes, and yeah, day, and you know, and and yes, and I do I do have some ideas, but but one other thing to add to your your long list that makes it challenging yeah. is that in the in this age of digital um yeah. and Snapchat is that kids can can notice when they're being left out of a out of a activity with other kids. Oh yeah. And so so during the holidays you know, it may be extra hard for your teen because they don't have the boyfriend, they don't have the girlfriend. Because, yeah, the boyfriend because may they, be out of town or whatever. <laughs> you know, yeah, or they feel the like their friends have, have boyfriends and yeah. or they feel like a group of friends left them out. So they have this kind of under the surface, which sometimes yeah. is why they're extra cranky. Yeah, that's but, a good point. <laughs> yes. But I would say for parents and and moms especially, I think between Christmas and New Year's is I am going to give you full permission, moms, to do some really kind things for yourself because you have poured out so much over the holidays and to make it happen. And so, so what can happen is, I know I've felt this, is that like we kind of expect some gratitude, like <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. You, you've uh, we, busted your tail for your daughter, and uh, <laughs> she doesn't seem to have any gratitude at all. <laughs> yeah, we want to be appreciated. We want to be seen. We want some gratitude, and you know. So if if our our teenagers are sometimes hardwired not to give it to us, though they can be yeah. taught. How to be grateful, but I think, Mom, I am telling you that I'm giving you full permission to do something outrageously kind to yourself this week. Oh, that's great. 
Well, here's a, a good question. How can moms and, and us dads also dial down the teenage drama over the holidays? What are some ideas that uh, would give us some hope that we could uh, get through this week without too much <laughs> Yes. Paper? Yes. Well, one, one is in the reason I start with the, the taking good care of yourself is, yeah. is that helps because yeah. – when we've when we've gotten our sleep, when we've had some time with friends, if when we've gotten a little bit of what we need, then we're more yeah. patient with our kids. Yeah, you set and, your own expectations and what you want, and um, you know, the, you you cater to the kids, but they have to fit into uh, your agenda as well. It's not all about them. I can see what you're saying there. Yeah, um, and I would say is that you get clear about what your expectations are for your teen this week. Yeah. Because a lot of times um, we're not that clear. Like we're maybe clear towards, you know, up to the Christmas Hanukkah time, and then we're not clear. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah that's true. Yeah, so it's just, and so then we just see him laying on the sofa, and we kind of, <laughs> like, are exploding because it's like, yeah. what are you doing? I'm working really hard, and you're not. So yeah, what your room's a mess and you're lying there on the couch. <laughs> yes. So so getting clear ahead of time is you're you're clear about um how much time they're going to be on cell phones and computers. So you might yeah. you might have like an hour or 2 hours like digital free zones. Yeah. You know, they have oh, to be great. doing Yeah. Yeah, be doing anything like but cell phones. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> digital free zone time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some digital free zone. And then, you know, I, I think letting them hang out with their friends is a good idea. Is I, I remember uh, when I was thinking about the show, I remember that I thought it was a great idea to, when my daughter was little, to to make yeah. a gingerbread house with her and oh. my mom and, you yeah. know, like a, and that was a disaster <laughs> because it, <laughs> because, <clears throat> and I, if there's some mothers out there, they can relate to this or even fathers, but, but, you know, the, the walls weren't lining up and the walls were kind of falling down and it was too yeah. hard for her to do. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> And which which what really made her happy was just kind of running around the house and playing with the dog and not doing anything structured. Yeah, those spontaneous moments are a lot more fun than the spontaneous moments sometimes. I think it yeah. may be a great idea. You may have uh, you know two or three days during the week, like uh, one night over to Grandma's house, or you know some planned activities, and you set those expectations until you're. Uh, daughter or teenage son for that matter you know we want you to be available these three nights but the rest of the time is yours it uh, but there should be some consequences if if they can't uh you know bend a little and, and give that time to right. you and your relatives and, and the family but uh, yeah well the, the 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 holidays can tend to be the season of excess like yeah, excess, that's for sure. ex, <laughs> yeah, <Eating>. excess, <laughs> right? Excess eating, excess yeah. family, excess yeah. activities, excess spending. Oh, amen. Yeah, that's for sure. And so, 
you know, so what what you I think between Christmas or the, some of those and New Year's is you want to bring some balance. Yeah. So so I love your idea about spending the night with grandma's house or with the friend's house because everyone needs some space. There's been a yeah. lot of family time and space can be really helpful for both parents and for the teens. Yeah. Um exercise. A lot of times you know during the holidays we're just sitting around you know eating or drinking. Yeah. And yeah. so both for for parents and teens that the teens can get out, play basketball, go run around, just do something. Um and yeah, I think it makes get, some sense to uh ease your normal, you know, school time restrictions a little bit like maybe curfew would be later you're you're not they don't have any immediate obligations for school work and that kind of thing in their own best interest so to you know maybe ease up a few things but obviously not the things that really matter and i think it's fair to uh demand that uh, you know the teens at least once a day share a meal together or whatever you, you want to uh, to have as long as uh, they have time to express themselves and be on their own also. Right, absolutely. So with with the clear expectations, you're a, you're dealing with things ahead of time, which which da- dials down the stress. Yeah. So you you you're saying, "You know what? Okay, here's what I expect. I don't expect you yeah. to be cleaning your room 10 hours a day, yeah. but I do expect that, you know, the clothes are off the floor, yeah. There's no pizza on the bed. This is what I expect. <laughs> yeah, that's, and you walk the dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you walk the dog. And um, well, I don't. Ex- and yeah, and I don't expect that. Um, you know that you're going to be sitting and talking to Aunt Flo the whole time, but I do expect that you'll sit. You know, spend an hour with you know Grandma and. Yeah some of yeah. the aunts and uncles. Yeah, so where there's a problem is when the teens, kind, you kind of have assumed something and the teens go blindsided. So yeah. it's like they're like, okay, I'm going to, you know, Johnny's, and you're saying, no, you're not. You're going to so-and-so's house. Yeah, you know, that's grandma's. right. The last, last minute, the, um, you know, you haven't said anything ahead of time and uh, – they have made other plans, and you blindside them like that. That's not what you want to do. If you're... Well, uh, yeah. in general, uh, you tell moms not to be their teenage daughter's best friend nor their worst enemy. What is the ideal ro- role for a mom of a teenager, uh, teenage daughter to play? Perfect. Yeah, yeah, and this and this this is also with dads and and sons too. Yeah, yeah. It, and here's here's really good news um, for you parents is. You don't have to spend an entire day with your teen. You don't have to take them on a big ski trip. You don't have yeah. to take them on a big spending spree. Yeah. But sometimes the best moments with your teens are just when both of you, both of y'all, are relaxed, and it's just the simple things. It's yeah. throw, throwing the ball and watching the dog run after it. It's yeah. in the kitchen, just. Um, Laughing about something, you know, making yeah. cook, maybe making cookies together, watching yeah. a show on TV. Um, it's sometimes the spontaneous moments. It's your, it's your son saying, you know, hey, 
look what I did on this video game. It's your daughter saying, um, oh, my gosh, look at this, you know, YouTube video. It's hilarious. And it's yeah. it's the simple 10, 15, 20 minutes of spontaneous time together that are really what I think are the golden moments. Yeah, that's true. Well, remind us again about your acclaimed mother-daughter book, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Drama and uh, Connecting with Your Teenage Daughter. Is there one message you'd like readers to take away from that book? What would it be? Yeah, is is really you can have, really it, it sounds like my book's all about drama, but it's yeah. really about getting on the other side of drama. Because oh. I really believe that you can have amazing connection with your teenager but you do need information and in that book I give you a lot of the science of the teenage brain and how right. that interacts with the parent brain so yeah, and you, you warn mothers not to uh, be drama mamas not to sink into that <laughs> uh, that role of playing drama yes. themselves <laughs> yes it's so easy to get hooked but yes, so the the book is really helping um, mom and and parents actually enjoy themselves and take care of themselves really well, and then giving you practical strategies to um, you know discipline and connect yeah. and um, protect your kid. Well, that sounds like a wonderful book. If your oldest daughter just turned ten, is it too soon to read your book? Or when do they start oh. changing? <laughs> That's a great thing. Yes, actually, early adolescence starts around eight or nine. Oh wow! So time yeah, eight or nine. Sometimes fuzzy little kid. <laughs> yes, yes, um, yeah, and you know, in fact. Um, you can go to ColleenOGrady.com, and that's two L's and two E's. Yeah. And um, I have a free chapter for you of my book, oh. Dial Down the Drama. Oh, that's great. And, and I uh, have a lot of um, great resources that are free on there, um, podcasts and blogs and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, I, I noticed that, a wealth of information, and that's Colleen, uh, ColleenOGrady.com. C-O-L-L-E-E-N-O-G-R-A-D-Y. <laughs> and that's really a good website. And, uh, well, to conclude, I can't add much to the great advice Colleen Grady has offered, but I can only add as we begin the post-Christmas week, take a deep breath. This is a week for family relaxation, spontaneity, and fun, and it's okay to schedule two or three family events and demand that your teens attend, but make those obligations clear in advance with clear consequences spelled out of mist, but the rest of the winter vacation belongs to your teens. Within limits, they can set their own agendas, be there for them, and take advantage of spontaneous moments to create memories that last a lifetime. But most important, keep your eyes on the long term. Your teen, as uh, Colleen puts it, is a work in progress. You're the coach, not the sole architect, and your teens uh, have a life of their own. You're not building a clone of you. <laughs> now go out and have a wonderful, <laughs> spontaneous week. <laughs> this week for refilling the tank, you can get down to serious but favorable business in January. And now uh, to one and all, Happy New Year, and a Happy New Year to you, Colleen, and thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much, Roy. And Happy New Year from Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. 
You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 